You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you. It's Reception Perception the Show. Matt, my guy, week one is almost in the books as we record here on a Monday afternoon before the uh, Monday Night Football game. How are you feeling, my friend? It's good that football is back. Dude, it feels so good to have football back, to be able to react to real games, to project upcoming matchups and stuff like that. Um, right. Also, I just want to say it feels great to have Sterling Shepard and Curtis Samuel back in our lives, baby. Some old RP, some old RP favorites, absolutely crushing it in week one. Everything else, the rest of the season, whatever, honestly, I don't care. The rest of the, I feel good now. (laughs) What about if, if beyond all odds, somehow, some way Sterling Shepard cracks 1000 this year? That would be incredible. Uh, I would say that, you know, I'm, I'm going to retire and just be on a beach somewhere. But, I mean, that would be a great, <laughs> real great proof of concept for RP. So I'd probably have to keep on working. So, uh, yeah, Reception Perception uh, brand alive and thriving with uh, with two of the big, like, late, late career burn guys. Um, you know, but, yeah. I, hey, honestly, just shout out to both those guys for beating the – I mean, the reason they haven't popped really so far yet is injury. So it was cool yeah. to see them both uh, out there popping uh, in, in week one. So that's great. But no, nah, man, it was funny, man. When Sterling Shepard caught that long touchdown, <laughs> first person I thought of was my guy, <laughs> Matt Harmon. And sure enough, 30 <laughs> seconds after he scores that touchdown, I looked out of my phone and I get just one text from Matt. <laughs> Sterling Shepard exclamation. And I'm like, yeah, boy, let's go. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're editing, you're editing that for the kids at, at home, which is probably for the best. It was yes. a little bit more yes. aggressive than that. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. We keep PC. Not really, but, uh, but every yeah. now and again, we keep PC, man. Hey, uh, you know what? Can we start with the, the big breaking news? You know, we got, uh, the news now that, uh, Dak Prescott, uh, thumb surgery. Uh, it sounds like a UCL a little thumb fracture in there as well. They're going to pop some plates and screws and put some hardware inside that thumb, man. None of it sounds very good. Um, sounds like he's going to be out six to eight weeks, you know, might miss nine weeks because of the bye. come back, you know, week 10 or 11. All right. So, mm-hmm. um, to me, none of that sounds very good. And, and I tell you, I, I, it, look, I, I know we sit here and say, okay, don't overreact to week one. Don't overreact to week one. But my guy, C.D. Lamb, looked lost in the woods, dude. I don't know what to think about C.D. Lamb going forward. Certainly, we have to downgrade him in fantasy. But just in terms of real-life football and in fantasy, what do we think about C.D. Lamb? Well, a couple of things here. I mean, it's 
pretty tough to script a more troubling start to a season than what the Cowboys had last night. Uh, so we're recording this on Monday. So Sunday night football, pretty tough to, to script something more troubling than that. And, you know, that was honestly, even before the Dak Prescott injury, James, I mean, right. the, the Dak injury hammered at home, but you know, CD what had like 11 targets, two 11 catches targets, on the night. Oh. And, you know, honestly, I wish, look, that was to be fair. The Bucks have a good defense. They've got a good secondary. They've got a, a veteran-laden group there. But it was basically like all of the things that could have sunk the Cowboys' offense did sink the Cowboys' offense, even with Dak on the field there. I mean, the, the more I thought of it, I, I guess it finally like the light just clicked when Mike Tirico at one point, when okay. Dak Prescott like flings a, a prayer ball down the sideline and um, you know he says, oh, Simi Fajoko's down there somewhere. I'm like – Dude, what are we doing here with this Cowboys receiver core? I think that was the moment where the, it just like it clicked for me where this is really as much as I've said that the the Seahawks who played tonight, by the way, so I don't know what happened in, in the game yet. The Seahawks are running out an unserious quarterback situation with uh, Geno right. Smith and, and Drew Locke. That is an unserious wide receiver core. You know, I had somebody ask me. Do you, so you do you think like CeeDee Lamb is a legit number one receiver? And I, I do think the answer is yes. Like I think he can be a legit number one receiver. But honestly, it doesn't matter if you're a legit number one receiver when the rest of your guys are like maybe, maybe five and sixes on, on, a, on a roster. And like yes. they're having a role like Noah Brown. I, I can't even remember the UDFA that they threw out there last night. And like Simi Fajoko, like I mentioned, I think it was some, Houston or, what, or whatever was the guy uh, that they played. Dennis, Dennis Houston. Dennis Houston. Right. Like, here's the, the deal, man. Who I, the hell is Dennis Houston, bro? Like, what? I, I know. I know. And and I, I get it. Like, <laughs> I, I get it that you – there's been some problems in the in the Dallas receiver core. Like, we knew Michael Gallup wasn't going to start the season on time. Right. That, he even laughed that suggestion off. Although, you know Jerry's rushing him back at some point now. Soon. Oh, for um, sure. For sure. For but, like, sure. clearly Jalen Tolbert wasn't ready for prime time. They, they made him a game day – healthy scratch in this one um and that we know that james that was surprising yeah that was surprising but i guess beat reporters had said he'd had an up and down summer there were some moments and then he also right. had some bad moments whatever and then we know that james washington is out for multiple months because of foot injury but your your receiver core shouldn't completely fall apart because james f and washington and like a day three or a round three rookie aren't <laughs> is not ready to play like that's that's just it's yeah. bad planning by the Cowboys. Also, they had a bad offensive line. And like, you, honestly, you, I'm going to go back and obviously like chart CD Lamb and watch him and stuff like that. But at the same time, like I know exactly what happened just watching that game last night. Like you could see the Cowboys were just being squatted on by the Bucks defense. Like when your guys down the field are freaking Noah Brown and Semi Fajoko and the boys, like you don't respect anything deep, especially when you have pass protection problems because your offensive line got hurt in the middle of the game. Right. It was just an all-out disaster situation. Like I think, see, everybody, you know, folks that know reception perception and know my stuff, like you know, I don't put a lot of stock into like the average separation as a as like a talent metric, you know. But like next gen stats did show that CD Lamb had 1.9 yards of separation last night. Like I don't, and I don't think that's a CD Lamb problem. It's like I don't think Dak Prescott attempted a non-tight window throw all night because that's the defense was just squatting on zone, <clears throat> the in, uh, in zone coverage in the short to intermediate areas all night. It was a disaster just like when we're talking about the woes for the rams and how the bills are just so damn good defensively yo tampa bay is one yeah, of good. the two or three best defenses in the nfl i don't care what anybody tells me you know what i mean like 
Where do you beat these guys? And then when you're talking about an offensive line, who, by the way, suffered more injuries as the game went along as well. Uh, boy, yeah. that's tough. That's, that is really, really tough. So um, Dak could have played. It was just a complete system meltdown there yeah. in Dallas. Yeah. All right, so the question, though, becomes looking forward, what do we think about C.D. Lamb? Because, man, I think the number one narrative I think I heard and read is that C.D. Lamb is not a true number one. I could not disagree more, and I know you're in that same camp as well, yeah. but what does it look like for C.D. Lamb moving forward? Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I just it's going to be a disaster. Like, it, by the way, like Cooper Rush, the guy they're probably going to start for the foreseeable future. Like, I don't, you know, it's talking about like the Cowboys are looking to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, they, they're not trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers <laughs> are not trading the Cowboys of all teams. The Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, right. I, it's like they're probably right. not going to find some immediate answer somewhere. Plus, like onboarding a quarterback in the middle of the year is always tough. So they're probably right. rolling with Cooper Rush. Who was a guy that they cut off the roster? I mean, they I know. obviously they brought him back, but that's what they thought of Cooper Rush. So I, I, I thought I thought he actually played okay at times last year. Uh, I don't think he's yeah the, the worst. Vikings was it the Vikings game on Halloween? I think it was that he <clears> had to. Start. He's not the worst backup quarterback in the NFL. Let's be real. Now that being said, the one person that you know what would get people excited about uh, playing quarterback there in Dallas that'd be the great beard of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Could you imagine they lure Ryan Fitzpatrick out of the TNF booth and just throw him out there playing for the star, man? That, that would generate some waves. I don't know how good it would be, Matt, but let me tell you something. I'd be excited about it. I would be excited about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be excited too, but I bet Fitz is like just loving retirement and TV and stuff like that. I, I doubt that happens, but it would be nice. It'd be funny. It'd be, nice. it'd be funny if he was like 300 pounds and just like completely just gave up, you know, but but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. What did he say the one like time when uh, there was a clip of him running when he was with the Dolphins? It like went viral on Twitter and he looked a little... uh a little heftier. He was like, yeah, I had too much birth a little too much cake at like kids' birthday parties all summer. So I don't know. I doubt, I doubt we see fits, but I, I honestly at the, at this point, like I think it's going to be Cooper rush and you know, I agree. He's not the worst in the world, but it's just a bad situation for any quarterback, yeah. including Dak Prescott. And like, you know, I know there's a lot of folks out there that really just don't think Dak is that good. And, you know, I mean, maybe Dak is like the Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins-ish territory of quarterbacks. I think he's probably closer to that group than like certainly the Mahomes-Herbert tier uh, of right. quarterbacks. So imagine if Kirk Cousins was playing in this situation. Imagine if Derek Carr was playing in this situation. Like it, it wouldn't go very well. Like most of these, beyond, beyond the guys like Allen and Herbert and Mahomes and, you know, the greats of the greats, like most quarterbacks are products of their situation. Um I think Dak and these guys are better than, you know, like Jimmy G or something like that. But oh, yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, of course. But I just think like this is a rough spot for any quarterback to find success. It was going to be rough for Dak to find success in this environment. It's going to be rough for um, <clears throat> Cooper Rush to find success too. It's funny, Matt. I actually woke up today thinking, hmm, I wonder if C.D. Lamb is a good buy low candidate because – well, because again, his value cannot possibly be any lower than it is here today. Uh, but then I was thinking about, okay, what's the real upside? And and I'm not, right. I'm not. And what really are you trading sure, for him, right? You right? Know? I'm not really sure what the upside is. I don't see him as a top twelve fantasy wide receiver for the next ten weeks, right? Um, no, me so, neither. So so what are we what are we talking about here? I I don't know. It'd be tough, man. I don't I don't know what assets you would give up to go get CD Lamb, but. 
it's at least, I guess, maybe worth an exploration, maybe worth a talk just to see if somebody is, yeah. you know, willing to willing to part with CD Lamb for like nothing, you know. So that would be interesting. Just one thing, I, I will have the rest of season rankings on the site by probably by, not by the time this podcast is is up, but like by midweek. Uh, so mm. uh, on the reception perception site, I CD Lamb is going to be a tough one because I had him, you know, at like. Oh my god! I had him at wide receiver five, you know. So he's gonna he's gonna be probably <laughs> the biggest dropper of anybody. Oh yeah, god. he's going way down, way down. Dude, just t- talk to me through the mentality here. Like, where where are you where are you pushing him now? Like outside of the top twenty? That's low. Uh, outside the yeah, top twenty is low. That's low. That's low because we do still expect him to get you know peppered with Tons targets. Like targets. I'll I mean I'm gonna just pull it up right now as, as we're talking about it. Like. I mean, I don't know. My tier three cut off at wide receiver 18, which was Deontay Johnson, you know, and tier four started mm. with um, Sutton, Brandon Cooks, like Marquise Brown. Oh, uh, he's ahead of those Jaylen guys. Jalen Waddle. He's ahead of those guys. He's ahead of those guys because he's better than those guys. And they're going to see similar targets here. And yeah, you're, you're right. You know, the you're quarterback's right. not great, but I mean, come on. He's he's better than those guys. He, he, they're, they're not going to see Tampa Bay's damn defense every week, dude. <laughs> you know, come on. He'll, he's going to recover somewhat. Godly. I, I get it. Yeah. I mean, that was that is probably just like a worst case. Like I said, it's you can't script a more troubling start, but they do get the Bengals in week two. And like, that's not necessarily the the softest landing spot. The Bengals defense is pretty decent. So I, I'm, I'm still thinking about it, but he's de- I'd like, he will not be, he won't be top 15. He won't be top 15. No, sure. no, 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 no. God, you know, actually that, that Deontay Johnson comp sounds actually pretty interesting uh, because Mitch Trubisky just looks, come on, like let's move on from Mitch Trubisky. Okay. He's not the answer there for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense for God's sakes. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Perception, perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Another guy that uh, that certainly made waves, man. Justin Jefferson put the team on his back. Oh my lord! I mean, just unbelievable production for Justin Jefferson. Nine catches on eleven targets, one eighty-four through the air, two touchdowns. By the way, that sounds great. In the first half. Justin Jefferson <laughs> had six catches for 158 and two touchdowns, bro. He legitimately, if the Vikings really wanted to, he legitimately could have gone for the single game record. Flipper Anderson back in 1989, 336 single game receiving record. Justin Jefferson could have broken that for sure. Like that's how crazy he was getting. And that's how wide open he was. Matt, talk to me about the fact that this man is so open against a pretty darn good secondary there in Green Bay. Yeah, right. Like it came out after the game that uh, Jair Alexander was like, I I wanted to uh, I wanted to 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 shadow him all uh you know all game and and the coaching staff kind of said no. Um, yeah, so not great. Uh, they they decided to go with kind of a. a a full-on team approach there that didn't work out i mean justin jefferson no. this is this is a thing like he's always open because he's a great 
receiver. He's a great route runner. He's been like a 96 percentile. Uh, we talked about we probably talked about this a few shows ago that he clears that like seven like 95th percentile success rate versus man coverage 96 percentile success rate versus press like 80 plus percent against zone like those are the elite elite receivers in the nfl so um that was kind of my thing about justin jefferson and all this talk about the cooper cup role um coming into this year justin jefferson don't need a damn cooper cup role like he can just win on his own he can beat coverage no matter what uh no matter what angle it's at and you know you saw that in this game Justin Jefferson actually didn't line up in the slot the most of the Vikings receivers. It was actually K.J. Osborne who lined up inside on 56.1% of his snaps. Justin Jefferson was out wide on 71.4%. So um, it's really interesting just that, like, look, Justin Jefferson does that because he's a baller, right? Like, he is that good. He is, I think, coming into this year, he was already an elite wide receiver. But, James, I think there's a chance he could go for, like, 2,000 yards this year. Like that's how that's how good he is, and that's how hot he's running in this offense. That, again, it's not about a role for him. He doesn't need he doesn't need a role to be productive because he can do whatever he wants. He's that good. You see it on the route success rate chart if you're watching on YouTube right now. He's an elite separator. He gets open at all levels against every form of coverage. Um, but now it's in an offense that's you know they're actively they're actively working plays for him to get open they're actively working for pl- him to be right. the engine of the offense and not the running game that's the big difference here man i think the number one difference i saw and we were expecting it they are moving him around and again if jair wanted to shadow him i understand why the packers didn't because they don't probably don't want to be in man to man that much you know, it's not their right. it's not their base defense. Um, that's not what they want to get done. So they're probably thinking, hey, it's it's one guy. We can stop one guy. If we get to Kirk Cousins, we can stop this passing game, right? No. Well. <laughs> You're not stopping that. <laughs> you know, so um, so I don't know. It, it it'll be interesting because again, to stop somebody like Justin Jefferson, who's gonna be moving around the formation that much, you are gonna have to go man with your best cover uh cover corner. And, and your cover corner has to be good enough to then stick with him somewhat. And then you're hoping for, for, for safety shade, right? It's like, uh, these are a lot of moving parts there in a defense. Yeah. And by the way, they still got a great player in Dalvin Cook. So you want to do all that stuff, fine. Let's leak out Dalvin Cook out of the backfield, which, by the way, they haven't unleashed that yet. But I, I got a nope. feeling they will. I got a feeling they will. That if you want to go man-to-man and you leak out Dalvin Cook unchecked out of the box – Forget it. Like this guy's, he could also go to the crib. You know what I mean? So it's a very interesting offense uh, that they've got in Minnesota. I know you were ahead of the curve on this. A lot of fantasy guys were ahead of the curve on this. Like, and again, I I was preaching to the masses too. get Zimmer's boomer ass offense out of your mind. It's a new offense. It's a new show there in Minnesota. And man, we saw it uh, there in week number one. I think you're hundred percent right, dude. They really could. He really could go for 2K um, this year, man. That would be that would be yeah. a lot of fun. Vikings could be a really just good team this year because the other thing that was really interesting. I know the Packers had injuries on their offensive line, but like they were harassing Aaron Rodgers back there. Daniel Hunter, Zadarius Smith, a man on a mission in his revenge game against the Packers. Yeah, he like, was. golly, that was a th- <laughs> you know we expected the defense might like not be that good this year, but the defense looked really good. Jiro Evero, the defensive coordinator there, and Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, I mean that guy looked like uh, he's 
I think he's 37 years old, but he's so tall and like skinny and lanky. I was like, this guy just looks like an, an inactive quarterback right now when I saw him on the sideline. So, um, yeah, definitely a new look there for the Vikings. I think they could be a, a playoff team this year. I think they could be a playoff team and like Justin Jefferson could yeah. be a oh, for sure. like a, a moonwalk to offensive player of the year this year. He's going to have a really special season. He's such a such a good player. And again, he was this guy in his first two years. I know he's probably taken like incremental steps and got better and better and better. But I mean, all yeah, yeah. the signs were there from his reception perception profile last mm-hmm. year that he could be a Devonte Adams, Stefan Diggs, like elite, elite wide receiver. I uh, just one last note on this. Uh, we talked about flipper Anderson, which is always a great callback. I I'm such a nerd about this. I looked this up. Uh, number five on the single game list. Somebody by the name of Cloyce box <laughs> played for the lions in 1950, did this against the Baltimore Colts. He put up 302 yards. But, dude, Matt, this guy was an absolute unit. Now, again, remember, this is 1950. 1950, Cloyce Box, wide receiver for the Lions, 6'4", 220 pounds out there just roaming. Can you imagine? Damn uh, pickup truck rolling down the field there <laughs> in old Cloyce. Cloyce box. I love it. Uh, the Packers offense. I thought we had oh. talked about this, man. And I and I and again, I'm just saying this Packers offense could legitimately be bad. Now, and I understand Christian Watson dropped what could have been a, a long touchdown pass. You, it makes that box score look a lot different. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now that being said. You take off one splash play, um, and the offense overall looked like what I was anticipating. A lot of short underneath stuff. They're going to try to run the ball, um, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be asked to do too much. This is what's crazy, Matt. 53, nearly 54% of the receptions, nearly 50% of the pass attempts, and more than about 55% of the yards came from running backs and tight ends. Yep. Buddy, I'm sorry, but a functional NFL offense cannot operate this way. 50% of your production targets, pass attempts, yards, all these, it can't come from running backs and tight ends. I mean, not when your tight ends are Josiah DeGuara, Robert Tanyan coming off of an injury, like some <laughs> random dude named Tyler Davis. No, like, no, you, your offense cannot function properly calling plays this way you just can't do it so and again i go back to i'm not a lafleur guy lafleur is gonna have to be able to scheme up this offense to get some of their wide receivers free yeah uh packers are in a bit of trouble i mean you everybody knows listeners know you know like I, i'm not that high on alan lazard like i don't think i think he's kind of a jag but like dude yeah. they really need alan lazard back because <laughs> at least like it's bad <laughs> At least like Alan Lazard is reliable, like has good hands, can win contested yeah. passes. Like just, I mean, to have to rely on two rookies that aren't, you know, like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs might be good players in the long term. I, I actually think both guys have some level of promise. Like I'm not out on either of them long term, but what did we just talk about with like Jalen Tolbert and the Cowboys, bro? Like you're whole hopes can't go to hell because the like a round three rookie like Jalen Tolbert or even like an early round two guy like Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs is a fourth round pick like you don't want to be having these guys out there you know running for 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 Christian Watson he was uh, he was third on second tied for first on the team in routes 
Romeo Dobbs was third on the team with in routes run. Like that's you can't you can't really be having that. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, I think they need Alan Lazard back. Um, it's like Sammy Watkins, come on, man! Like give me a break with Sammy Watkins. Like it's a I don't know. I, I, I'm a definitely. I know the Packers had a bad week one last year. I mean, a terrible week one last yeah. year, right? And then they obviously got back on track. But, like, this is – it's the inverse of, like, everybody panicked about Devontae Adams because he's losing Aaron Rodgers. Well, Aaron Rodgers is losing Devontae Adams. Like, yeah. that guy's the best receiver in football, and the, <clears throat> they didn't do much to replace him. So, yeah, it's I mean, going to be tough sledding there in that Green Bay offense. Last year, if memory serves, they played New Orleans week one, right? And they just got yes, shellacked correct. there. And by the way, that's different because New Orleans defense, bro, that is just a completely, I mean, it's another level, right? It's another yeah. level of defense when we're talking about New Orleans last year versus where Minnesota is at this year. Minnesota, again, I thought they kind of sort of outperformed and the Packers O-line had some issues as well. Um, but, dude, New Orleans defense is nasty. It was nasty last year, you know what I mean? So if Green Bay's offense kind of struggled out the gates, that was a little bit more understandable. What we saw... T- this this past week in week one for the Packers, that is not something that I see being remedied anytime soon. Because when your answer to this is, let's just hope Alan Lazard, Alan freaking Lazard <laughs> lifts the offense, that's a problem to me. <laughs> that is a yeah. problem to me. Yeah. Again, I mean, this is a group that wanted to feature its running backs. They did feature its running backs as receivers. I mean, Aaron Jones was number one on the team in routes run. Um, I'm that's not I, I'm very, how you. That's this is not a functional offense, dude. That's not yeah, gonna yeah, work. Yeah. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's they just they're really, really lacking in in threats right now. I mean, these guys, the rookies, at least when you look at Green Bay. They've got guys with some promise, whereas we talked about with Dallas, like those guys are not going to suddenly turn into to starting caliber players. At least they can say that, like, hey, the longer Christian Watson gets going, I mean, he did roast Patrick Peterson, who's ancient, but like did roast Patrick Peterson on that uh on that exciting little uh the, the deep pass where he dropped the touchdown. Right. Um, that that's great to see. Like if these guys can continue to develop, they can have a story they can tell themselves where they're better in the second half of the season. But um, yeah. I, I like LaFleur more than you do, and I think they can figure this out, but it's not going to be a very exciting offense to watch, that's for sure. I, we, we say all this, by the way, and they're totally going to drop a 50-burger on the freaking Bears, uh, who won like a water polo contest against the 49ers this week. <laughs> what a swimming match. It was great. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Uh, you know what I learned this weekend, Matt? Um, I learned that good wide receivers can lift an entire offense. Now, honestly, we had kind of sort of like when we talk about offense lifters, you know, like, you know, generally, I think we're kind of sort of exclusively really talked about quarterbacks doing that for yeah. an entire offense. But man, with the crazy wide receiver movement that we saw this offseason, and we've talked about this before, that we'll probably never see something like that ever again. 
-hmm. but a great wide receiver can lift an entire damn offense. I want to start in Philadelphia. A.J. Brown, all you can say is, sheesh, this dude was an absolute GD monster, bro. 13 targets, mm-hmm. 10 receptions, a buck 55, literally carrying Detroit secondary guys 20 yards downfield. Like, it, it was like a man among boys. He just looked awesome out there. He looked awesome. Uh, according to NFL research, he had the most uh, receiving yards in the first half in a team debut by a non-rookie wide receiver since at least 1991, the year I was born, by the way. So hey. uh, <laughs> that's a long time. Hey. <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah. I mean, it was funny. Like sometimes a guy can take all of the like offseason worries and just crumple them up and just throw them right in the trash, man. And I, I think that's what A.J. Brown did in week one. 44.8% target share for A.J. Brown. That was right. incredibly – it was a carryover of the narrative that we talked about on the Bold Prediction Show, which was that Jalen Hurts was just throwing the shit out of the ball to A.J. Brown in training camp and pretty much to nobody else. Like, yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's a lot of what it looked like it, it, in week one. Nine targets in the first half. <laughs> nobody else had more than four. Um, he ran a route on 39 of 44 Jalen Hurts dropbacks and, like, yeah, 44 dropbacks for Jalen Hurts. That's pretty good. Like they, the Eagles ended up being, I think, right around like middle of the pack in neutral passing rate. And if they are going to play that way be- because their offense has been transformed, as you say, by a transformative talent, A.J. Brown, then 100% like Brown is going to, like we talked about in the Bold Prediction Show, he's going to go crazy in this offense. And it's just so good to see because it felt like at times in Tennessee, and I think it, this has been made clear by the fact that they doubled down basically on their Derrick Hen- Henry centric identity, you know, that he was sort of like, Oh yeah, we'll get to AJ Brown. We'll, we'll get to him in the, in the pecking order. And like, but it were a Henry first identity. Like if the Eagles are about to be a, our universe revolves around AJ Brown, he's going <clears> to <throat> have right. a really special season. And I get it. Part of it is again, we talk about matchups. You can't put these guys in a vacuum. It's just not possible. Right. AJ Brown was taken on the Detroit secondary. That is uh, very much a work in progress. Certainly in the, in the, in the bottom third of the NFL. I think what, if, if I'm a Detroit fan, to be honest with you, I'm probably more concerned about the fact that they added a terrific pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson and they still only had a 21% pressure rate on the quarterback yeah. this week, which, by the way, was almost identical to the pressure rate they had last year. And one sack, it's like, guys, they ranked second to last in pressure rate last year, depending on what sites you go to. They had the third few of sacks. You add Aiden Hutchinson, it didn't look like it made a damn bit of difference. I don't know. That would be a big concern for me yeah. if, if I was Detroit. Eagles are a good offensive line, though. I will say that. They have a really sure. good offensive line. So, And Detroit's defense, I think, is still between the two units are is the biggest work in progress of of, the, of their of like two sides of the ball there for Detroit. Um, from a fantasy angle, like, hey, this is what we want out of Detroit. Like, we want uh, teams to throw and all, run all over their defense and then yeah. bring that offense out of the shell and get Amon <laughs> Ross St. Brown another 30-plus percent target share. <laughs> Tough look for the haters on Amon Ross St. Brown. But, yeah. I mean, AJ Brown, this was, it was just awesome to see this. And um, it felt a lot like um, the, it it was when DeAndre Hopkins got traded to the Cardinals in 2020 and like Stefan Diggs got traded, I think to the bills in in 2020, but it was especially true when Hopkins arrived in Arizona that folks were like, 
pretty willing to fade DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but then from the first game, like Kyler Murray, just throwing to Hopkins, throwing yeah. to Hopkins, throwing to Hopkins. Right. And that was the same thing we saw with Hertz and, um, and AJ Brown for the Eagles. So I, I, I'm, I'm really excited about this. And we know AJ, we know based on reception perception, AJ Brown's one of the best, uh, man coverage beaters, one of the best press coverage beaters, top three in both categories last year. So he deserves this volume as well. Oh, can we talk about the flip side of that coin, though, in Philadelphia? Okay, there was only three wide receivers targeted at all. We know A.J. Brown was targeted the most, obviously. Zach Paschal was the only other wide receiver to catch a ball. Okay, only mm. other wide receiver. Okay, now the, the, the running backs and the tight ends caught balls, but the only other wide receiver to catch a football in Philadelphia was Zach Paschal. Our dude, Devontae Smith, a big, fat zippers zero catches on four targets zero yards i am i am hurting inside i've got Devonte smith in a lot of different spots because his adp had dropped so far and i'm like okay well hold up now look i get that aj brown's gonna dominate target share but i mean Devonte smith's still a pretty good player you can't this is literally what i said to myself in drafts I'm like, <laughs> you can't just feed one guy it's impossible <laughs> it's possible narrator no. voice it was possible yeah. yeah all right what do we think about Devonte though like what is going on here man like i know sunnier days are ahead but dude yeah the lion's secondary stinks you know devont like you know jalen hurts is out here slinging it 32 times like which for him is slinging it you know like Devonte smith zero catches oh my god what do we expect for Devonte smith moving forward yeah, man, it's it's obviously a really bad break uh, for Devontae Smith. And, you know, I, I'm a little – I'm not that surprised by this because this is kind of how I ranked Devontae Smith. Like, I, I had him buried at, like, wide receiver 38, wide receiver 40 throughout, like, the entire offseason because, like, yeah, obviously Jalen Hurts, if he's going to make it happen, he's going to make it happen with A.J. Brown. And, you know, what was disappointing for Devontae Smith was that his air yards per target was like 5.8. You know, he wasn't even getting like a bunch of vertical looks or anything like that. It was all A.J. Brown. And, you know, he's – I will say this, like, we got – we definitely got the answer to my biggest question with, which is like how these guys are going to line up. A.J. Brown took 41.3% of his snaps from the slot. Uh, Devontae Smith was 85.5% out wide. Like, he's – unfortunately just going to get those low percentage outside X receiver looks. And I think Devontae Smith's going to have big weeks this year. I think they're going to be really, really, really hard to predict. So oh, yeah. I, I don't have a lot of comfort. I don't really have a lot of comfort for you, James. I, I mean, it'll be great if the Eagles <laughs> offense is good. Like I said, he's going to have some weeks, but um, I don't know. He's a good, really good player. Just this is a tough spot to get volume. Oh my God. I don't know what to do, man. I'm, I'm just so torn because again, it's like, Oh my God, I, it's, he, he's too good of a player, right. To, to just get iced out, but he got iced out. So now yeah, I'm just in full on hard <laughs> <laughs> dude. I am in full on panic mode. I'm like, Oh my God, sell, sell, sell. Let's transition to Las Vegas then, because you know, again, green Bay, you know, who could they, they could have used. They really could have used Devontae Adams who yeah. by the way, apparently did not fall off whatsoever. Oh my goodness. Uh, my God, Devontae, dude, 17 targets, 10 receptions, a buck 41 and a touchdown. Um, I, I, I struggled putting him into this segment because we had talked. I, I wanted to really focus on great wide receivers lifting offenses. It's hard for me to say Devontae lifted this offense um, because I think it was kind of sort of a mixed bag. Now, that being mm -hmm. said, I do want to recognize the fact, and this is kind of sort of the theme of the show, 
but the matchups matter. And I think the Chargers right. D is damn good. I think the oh, Chargers yeah. D is really good. Top five in the NFL, in my opinion. By the way, when they get J.C. Jackson back, oh, my God, watch out. Right. These guys are going to be nasty. These guys are going to be nasty, nasty. But Devontae Adams, still great stat line for him. Um, but what do we make of his impact on this Las Vegas Raiders offense? What did you think about Devontae here uh, coming into 2022? Uh, yeah, first of all, on the Chargers defense, uh, we had to tape our episode of Eckler's Edge early this week for for Yahoo. And um, so we've already we've had it in the can this morning because I guess that guy's got something to do on Thursday. Uh, he couldn't <laughs> couldn't do it later in the week. <laughs> um, and he, yeah, he was he was saying that he thought that like the Raiders offense actually, you know, looked fine and all that stuff. But their defense is just going to be that good this year. Like Khalil Mack was an animal in this game, three sacks. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I agree with you, man, that, that Chargers defense, like we're going to have to adjust expectations. And I, I think honestly, it was just like, they turned the ball over three times. Like that game could have been a lot closer if it wasn't for those turnovers. So yeah, I, I get your sense on like, did he really elevate the offense? But you could see like this passing game is going to have a whole new dimension with Devonte Adams. Forty eight point six percent of the team targets went his way. Fifty three point three percent of the the air yards went his way. I mean, he was just like, it, it, you know what? You know what Devonte Adams looked like? He looked like Green Bay Devonte Adams. That's what Raiders <laughs> Devonte Adams looked like. Guys open. He's an impossible right. cover. He's the best route runner in the NFL. Him and Stefan Diggs are one and two. You can put him in whatever you order you want. The guy's an unbelievable separator, and he's going to absolutely change the the dimension of any offense. And then it just becomes like, <clears throat> when does Darren Waller have that big game? You know, when he had 79 yards in this game, when does uh, Hunter Renfro have that big game? Because Devonte Adams is out there. And yeah, it was just like layup throw after layup throw for Derek Carr when he wasn't, you know, under pressure, wasn't getting a ton of like, you know, heat uh, for, for throwing in deep into the secondary, you know, their interceptions, all that stuff. Like right. the matchups will be there all year long for this team. Cause Adams is that kind of talent. Yeah. I mean, you, you take a look at the secondary too, for, for LA and it's just, you got playmakers just everywhere. You know, Asante Samuel playmaker, Derwin James playmaker, Nasir Adderley ball Hawk, right? Yeah. Um, he's good. He's really stepped up. Yeah, so I don't know. And yeah, they don't even have their best cornerback yet. Like, right? Like, that's the thing. They don't even have their number one corner. I know. When JC Jackson gets back and healthy, man, it's gonna be that's gonna be really, really interesting. It's gonna be a good look uh for LA. All right. Um, but I want to touch on some of the other pass catchers there. Now you touched on it briefly. You talked about uh Darren Waller, but I really want to focus in there on Hunter Renfro. What do we make of the Hunter Renfro line? Just six targets, just three catches, 21 yards for Hunter Renfro. Um, by the way, no other receiver saw more than one target, Matt. <laughs> it was the Devontae yeah. Adams show. That's all it was. Renfro saw six targets. No other receiver saw more than one. Um, so what do we make of Hunter Renfro moving forward? Yeah, he's another guy that I didn't want to get too aggressive in my rankings because, you know, there's already like volume questions with Devontae Adams, right? Like how I just wish I should have just shut the shut the F up about the volume concerns with Devontae Adams and like stuck him within the elite tier with everybody else. I feel like I feel like an idiot for overthinking that. I mean, I didn't have like a hard fade on Adams, but yeah, um, he was a guy. He was a guy that, you know, I just didn't end up drafting very much because I was drafting Stefan Diggs. Oh, well, that's fine. I think it'll work out. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> when I drafted him, when I drafted CeeDee Lamb over Devontae Adams, Adams, that's, no, that ain't gonna no. work out. That, that 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 ain't gonna work oh, out. Um, but yeah, Darren okay. Waller too lined up uh, in the slot or out wide on eighty point four percent of his snaps. So he's essentially a wide receiver for this team that's gonna do some tight end stuff. Um, but yeah, Renfro, 
he's just not going to have these like or he's not going to have very often these like 10 target games or something like that. This is not going to be within his range of outcomes. Uh, I am really curious to see like how the red zone stuff splits out. Cause Renfro was the one that got blanked. Uh, Devonte Adams and Darren Waller had saw end zone targets three for Devonte Adams, one for Darren Waller and Renfro was the one who got blanked in week one. Um, that's going to be kind of the key. Like, can he get back involved in that area of the field? Cause that was kind of key for his big breakout season last year was being that red zone guy on the option routes for, um, for Derek Carr. But it's like people like Hunter Renfro. I like Hunter Renfro, but like you either, you, you're going to have the same thing with Devonte Smith. Like Devonte Smith is a good player. AJ Brown's an elite player. Hunter Renfro is a good player. Devontae Adams is an elite player. So when it comes to those crucial situations, what are you going to scheme it up for? Are you going to scheme it up for the elite player or a guy who's pretty good in Hunter Renfro? I think I know what I'm doing. I think I know what the Raiders are going to do. Last receiver I want to touch on here, Matt, Tyreek Hill. Oh, my God. Dude was awesome, man. And he is a player that absolutely helped lift this Miami offense. You know, uh, we're talking about 12 targets, eight receptions, 94 yards. Didn't clear that century mark, but – I mean, you know, Tua only had 270 yards passing. And I will say this, Tyreek Hill for sure saved Tua an interception. That play where he goes up one-handed, back across his body, and like rips it from the defender. That is a a freaking interception. 99 times out of 100, Tyreek Hill with an amazing play to help his quarterback out. Yeah, I think at certain points at the how does Tyreek Hill mesh with Tua from a deep ball perspective? It almost became like a meme at some point. You know, you get the Dolphins account like tweeting every time he, Tua throws a deep ball in training camp. I don't give a shit about any of that nonsense, right? Like, <laughs> whatever. Show it, do it in a real game, right? But I mean, game, at the same time, it became like too much of a talking point because it's like, I don't really care if Tyreek Hill can't throw, um, you know, I can't catch like 50 yard bombs from Tua every week because Tyreek Hill is a complete receiver. You know, you see that in his reception perception, he beats man press and zone coverage. Like he gets open at every level of the field. He's always been like a really underrated route runner and underrated technician. And by the way, he's a great, like in those situations, as you were just talking about the contested situations, the 50, 50 ball situations for a smaller guy, like he has always been, sort of like the modern version of Steve Smith in that way as a smaller player that plays above the rim. Um, so anyways, like I, I just think he's a legit alpha number one receiver. So I don't really, that's why it's like, great. I don't care if he's not going to catch a bunch of deep balls. I don't care if he's not going to, you know, have those big, huge highlights. He had 9.1 air yards per target in, in this game. Like yeah, that'll work. that, that'll do, you know, yeah, you know, that, yeah that'll work. It's, it's lower than what we had sure. gotten used to with Mahomes, but just look at how much he threw at him. I mean, the target compares. I know Jalen Waddle had a touchdown in this game, like a, a, a nice little catch and run. We, we know that's Jalen Waddle's game. He had 30 yards after the catch in this game on just four catches. Um, that's going to be there. But the target and air yard distribution, 42% of the air yards went to Tyreek Hill, 20% to Jalen Waddle. Wow. 38.7% of the targets went to Tyreek Hill, 16.1% to, to Jalen Waddle. And Chase Edmonds is the only one who's above 7% of the targets beyond <laughs> those guys. Like, this is the offense. It's those three players The with, with you know, Chase Edmonds, like I said, kind of picking up the slack there. But, I mean, Jalen Waddle's going to have some big games. There's no doubt about it. But Tyreek Hill is a transformative talent. And then, you know, Tua – 
we'll see. A jury, jury's still out, I think, on Tua. Um, I know you're really, really down on him. I'm, I'm yeah. not. I'm definitely not in. I'm not a Tua non uh, card carrying member either. <laughs> but um, I'm at least open to. I think he can run this offense, and that was it. Was Tua definitely man. a very impressive uh, debut, I think, for Mike McDaniel in the offense. Oh my uh, but God, it helps yes. to Tyree Kill, that's for sure. I mean, think about who he's sparring with on the other sideline. Bill Belichick, your first game out the gates? Are you kidding me? Hell of a performance by Mike McDaniel. Uh, and I thought the, the defense played fantastic uh, for Miami, yeah. which was great. Um, and, and listen, New England's got their own troubles. No problems. Dude, they, <laughs> they've got they've problems. Got, oh, man, they've got issues for sure. Uh, in their receiving room as well. Um, the Devontae Parker revenge game did not happen. So oh <laughs> there's that as well. Yeah, no, I, you know, I know this is total confirmation bias, man, but I don't know. Like the more I watch Tua, I'm like, oh my God, this is Alex Smith. It's like, oh my God, this is Alex. Like every single time I watch this guy play, I'm like, no, yeah. You're right, James. This is Alex Smith, dude. Like the guy, you know. You're just, ha- you're just having conversations with yourself on dude, Sundays, totally. like hundred percent. You're re- you're really right. You're really right about this. So I don't know, man. Like I, it's like I don't know. Maybe that's like semi hot take ish or whatever. And it's interesting. I no, I don't. Somebody. I don't think so I mean, no, Alex Smith had some had some good years, right? I mean, I, yeah. I don't think that's like a hot take or, or super disrespectful. And I mean, you just look at. Um, Tyree kills air yards per target in 2017 with um with Alex Smith in his in his big year 11.6 like yeah that's higher than what we saw in week one but I bet that Tyree kill lands around 10 10 11 right when when freaking Patrick Mahomes took over he was up at like 15 at certain yeah years. like that's not gonna happen with Tua but um you know Tyree kill still had 75 catches uh, almost 1200 yards and uh, seven touchdowns that year like I, I think that's pretty well within the range of outcomes for Tyree kill this year. All right. So there are your, your, your stud guys that I felt like, you know, help their offenses. Um, and it was the most clear example that I can remember where just like these guys just lifting an entire off, putting them on their backs, man, uh, which is great. Perception, perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, a secondary player that we thought would help an offense was Allen Robinson. And it was a disastrous, oh. disastrous, oh disastrous, disastrous start <laughs> for Allen Robinson. We, we know that the Bills defense great and all those things. But I kind of wanted to kind of steer people towards the website because, man, you wrote a great piece. And we're going to see more of this this season. This is new. To reception perception yeah the website man like you're going to be doing in-season charting breaking it all down tell me what you found on alan robinson you know robinson look it, i talked about you couldn't have a more troubling start uh for the, for the dallas cowboys you couldn't script a more troubling start you couldn't script a more troubling start if you're an alan robinson believer you know than, <laughs> than what happened in week one i mean i i'm gonna keep saying he had one target in that game because i re, i refuse to acknowledge that that petty uh, end zone heave that Matthew Stafford had. Um, But look, for one, this is for the entire Rams offense. It was a really 
you know, it was a pretty troubling start overall. Um, but we do have to remember this is the best defense in the NFL, uh, the Buffalo Bills. Um, I, they were tops by DVOA last year. They had a good pass rush last year, and then they added Von Miller. Ever heard of him? Um, the Rams offensive line got destroyed in this game. So Stafford really didn't have much time to throw. And, you know, he said after the game that uh, he, he didn't get to – you know, Allen Robinson a lot in the plays because the Bills were running a lot of zone coverage. And I put stock in that for a couple of different reasons. Um, one, because Cooper Cup, we know this based on his reception perception, is the best zone beating receiver in the entire NFL. He posted a 91.7% success rate versus zone coverage in 2021. That's the highest in RP uh, since 2014. And, uh, you know, it's the it's the second highest in, in season in series history. The highest was recorded in 2014 and he's running against zone coverage on 73% of his routes. He's the best zone beater in the NFL. And Robinson, meanwhile, has always been an elite man coverage, press coverage beater, but he's always been about like average and sometimes below average, like last year in Chicago against zone coverage. So I think that makes sense. Um, you also saw that some of the routes that Robinson was running. I mean, one thing that was a little discouraging I was hoping, you know, that some of the Bears playbook was going to be thrown in the trash, but geez, they had Robinson running like slants and curls in that game, man, at 22.7% slant routes, 27.3% curl routes. That's not really what you wanted to see. I know that the Rams obviously were in trouble, you know, from a pass rush perspective, but right. you also saw some of his most successful routes, like the comeback, the out route, uh, the flat route, those outbreak routes. Like, hey, if you're Matt Stafford and you're getting pressured right away, he saw, and by the way, PFF noted that he saw more pressure in that game, did Matthew Stafford, than any other game he's played with the LA Rams. So it was just wow. a nightmare in that perspective. Like, you're not getting to your, your second read. And yeah, Cooper Cup's going to be the first read. Allen Robinson is going to be the second read. Like you don't have time to get to the guy on the out route. You don't have time to to get over there to that side, especially because Robinson <clears throat> lined up on the left side of the field in this game on I think it was sixty six percent of his snaps. That's Matthew Stafford's backside. Like that the whole point of adding Stafford or adding Robinson in that role is that so that he could run those backside dig routes, buddy, yep. you ain't getting to the backside when you're about to be put <laughs> on your back, you know? So right. that was a problem there. Um, last point I'll make uh, on this, you know, I, I think when you just look at the guys that, you know, that this is the big panic, right? That all these other guys were drawing targets and Robinson was not. Stafford threw 31 passes to Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, and Daryl Henderson. Those three averaged a measly 2.8 average depth of target. Again, that is 76% of Stafford's passes. Like, I think this is just an, was an all-out disaster situation. I think Robinson still, you know, got decent separation on some of these routes, especially against press coverage. He still had an 81.8% success rate. Um, so that was good to see. I think he could still get off the line of scrimmage, still run routes well. Um, but yeah, this was a pretty troubling start. And I, I think it's more just like all things that could go bad, did go bad in this one. Um, I, and I'll say this, you talk about that pressure. Um, I looked this up here. It was the Buffalo bills just getting after it, uh, on the defensive side of the ball and especially up front. Buffalo was able to apply a 33.3% pressure rate. That would have been good for second best in the NFL last year, just to kind of give you an idea of how much pressure Matt Stafford was seeing. Seven total sacks, as we know. But here's the deal, Matt. They only sent four or fewer pass rushers every 
single down. They yeah. did not blitz on a single play. Nothing extra. Nothing extra. Four or fewer rushers every single time, still applying a 33.3% pressure rate, which again would have been good for second in the NFL last year. That is insane. So just think about the coverage that's out there now. So not only is he under pressure on a third of his throws, bro, he's also looking at an extra defender in coverage. You're like, golly, yeah. what the hell, man? Like, how are like not only am I under pressure, there's nobody freaking open because there's an extra defender out there too in coverage. It's like, that's how good this Buffalo defense is, and yeah. that's how damaged and fragile this Rams offensive line is without Andrew yeah. Whitworth. They're anchoring that left side, man. This offensive line just does not look the same. Then of course they suffered an injury mid game as well to, so an already couple, thin couple, line, couple, yeah, of a couple of them, a couple of injuries. Yeah. So an already thin line gets, gets thinned out even more, man. So no, it was an abject disaster. Um, I don't, to be honest with you, the reason I'm a little bit worried about Allen Robinson of course, the matchups are going to get better, but how does the offensive line get better, Matt? I don't right. see it. Yeah, yeah. I wrote in in the article that um, my biggest worry coming out of Week One is the fragility and potential decline of the ecosystem in Los Angeles. Um, you know, primarily because of the offensive line, which that was that was definitely easy to see coming. You know, we knew that that was going to be a problem. Uh, yeah. with, with Andrew Whitworth retiring and, you know, Joe Noteboom, they were excited about. Um, but again, that, this is a pretty rough debut to have to go against Von Miller in your first start, like all that type <laughs> of stuff. This is pretty, this is pretty rough. And I, I love that you made the extra, right. the point about the extra defender in coverage. Like, dude, I want to shout out, uh, Danville, Virginia's finest Tremaine Edmonds, their linebacker there in Buffalo. Oh, God, had he was a awesome- monster. He was just like, especially some of those crossing routes with Allen Robinson was just perfect coverage depth, perfect drop timing. Like it was a really impressive game overall for Buffalo's defense. And, you know, the the Rams play the Falcons this week. Like if they go out and have a good game against the Falcons, nobody will be surprised, especially with 10 days of prep. But um, it sounded like, you know, coming out of the game, Sean McVay said, I want to get Allen Allen Robinson more involved. You know, Stafford said I can get the ball better to him in certain situations. So I think it's just like they're integrating a new receiver. It could take some time. And um, (sighs) yeah, we'll we'll see, man. Uh, But it was definitely – no, it, could, it couldn't have gotten worse in terms of a start. All right. Well, hey, listen, I want everyone to kind of go check out that profile. Again, more in-season charting. You guys haven't seen that before. You might be a big fan of Matt, and you know, you know all about his work, but you know we don't see a lot of in-season stuff. We're going to get a lot more of that uh, this season, and I do want people to go check it out, receptionperception.com. By the way, if you're still with us, man, we appreciate you. Can you like and subscribe to the podcast? Please do us a big favor, like and subscribe. All right, so there you go. Our time is running short, though. For Matt Harmon, I am James Coe. We'll see you on Thursday. Everyone have a great rest of your week. See ya.